people will think outside the box and they'll think of the solutions first and then work out the regulations the legislation after that and I think for a long time it was kind of the other way around it was like what's what's the environment we work in and we don't work outside that environment but everything's being disrupted now um, and it's providing huge opportunities in the utilities Welcome to the Women in Utilities podcast. I'm your host, Madhavi Shankarling, and today I'm speaking with Dr. Genevieve Simpson, who is the Government Relations Manager at Western Power, a Western Australian state-owned energy supplier. Genevieve shares her thoughts on how utilities need to adapt to changing consumer behaviour, how they can work with regulators to achieve strategic outcomes, and what impact climate change may have on utilities. As always, she also explains why she continues to work with utilities and shares her advice for women looking to progress their careers in this field. I really enjoyed Genevieve's unique perspective on these topics, and I'm sure you'll find it as insightful as I did. So let's get into it. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today, Genevieve. I'm really excited to have this conversation with you. Ah, Thank you so much for having me and hello to all the listeners out there. Could you tell me a little bit about Western Power and what your organisation does? Western Power is a government-owned um, energy utility. So we are the transmission and distribution network providers for electricity in the southwest of Western Australia. Okay, great. And could you explain a little bit about what your role is within the organisation? I'm Government Relations Manager at Western Power. Western Power, as a government-owned entity, we've kind of got a a complex regulatory structure, Um, but part of that involves um, being able to have conversations with the minister who is making decisions on behalf of government. So my role in government relations is to facilitate conversations with the minister and his staff um, and also Energy Policy WA, which is the energy policy advisory body to Minister for Energy. Um, and what we talk about is, is you know, regular things kind of like state budgets and that kind of thing. Um, but we also talk about um, the impacts of policies that state government might want to deliver. So how do you practically implement um, the grand ideas of government? Um, but also on the flip side, we're a utility that's rapidly transitioning into a high renewables future. And that poses some challenges for us and also really exciting opportunities. Um, But that requires regulation change. So we also advocate to the Minister um, for changes in legislation and regulation to support our strategic outcomes. Where do you see utilities heading in the future? What are some of the innovations and opportunities that lie ahead? One of the the challenges um, is the the change in the way consumers behave at the moment. So uh, For a long period of time, there was a very consistent approach to living. The digital transformation means that kind of all of that has been flipped on its head. Um, And I think the COVID-19 experience has told us that people can rapidly shift to new kind of work environments and home environments and new ways of interacting with each other. And what that means, it's going to be really difficult to try to plan for the people of the future because we're going to have to to think of so many different models of the way they'll interact with whatever utility product um, they're wanting to access. So at the same time, we've also got the digital disruption and the way it impacts us as a utility and what opportunities we have um, available from a a technological point of view, um, a digital innovation point of view, and in particular thinking about the way we can better service our customers. So 
the data that they might need, the decisions that they might be able to make, um, how we might be able to consider their consumption pattern in the way we plan and will that reduce prices for them or um, increase the quality and the value of our product. Um, so I think that that's, that's the really exciting part of utilities. Um, could you tell me a little bit about what keeps you in this industry and what do you enjoy about working in the utility industry? I do work in both the utility industry and also the energy industry, and I think it's the, the kind of the combination of the two. Um, having uh, a huge interest in energy policy and an energy policy background, it's a massive period of transition for the energy sector as a whole, yeah. um, not just renewables, but um, the opportunities for storage, so either batteries or hydrogen, um, pumped hydro that you're seeing in other places, and the challenges associated with the system itself, changes in consumer behaviour. There's so much happening in the energy sector. So I think I could enjoy kind of any position working in the energy sector. Um, but the utilities is also a real challenge to be working in. And in particular, and the big difference from working in policy is around the role of the customer. So we have calls coming in from people every day about the challenges they're experiencing themselves um, in energy provision. Um, and I think that keeps us really grounded in, in thinking about what we're doing and how we're prioritising work and projects and um, the way we frame the work that we're doing because we've always got our customers in mind. Um, and I think that's a really grounding experience and means that even if you're not in a state of huge transition like we are at the moment, um, you're never going to be bored and there's never going to be um, a lack of things to do because there's so much that you can do to service the customer and you've always got to challenge yourself to do better for them. Mm, that's a really interesting take on it. Utilities as a whole, whether it's um, electricity or gas or water or rail networks um, or telecoms, um, it's all about providing a service. It's not about the thing itself. So um, we often don't talk about the fact that we're providing electricity we're providing the power for the appliances that people want to use. Um, so it's thinking um, differently about the, the way we can provide that service itself. So a really good example for us at Western Power is standalone power systems. Um, so we are a network provider. We, we run lines out to people's properties to supply energy. Um, but in some of our regional and remote areas, we've got kilometres of line going to a single property um, and that kilometres of line is exposed to bushfire risk. Um, it's exposed to kind of environmental factors that might mean that there's reliability issues. Um, and we're saying instead of having those lines that go all the way out there, um, can we instead have solar panels, a battery and a diesel backup and provide it directly on site? The customer is still getting the exact same service that we would otherwise have provided, but in a totally innovative way um, and a way that will hopefully get them a better product. Mm -hmm. Is that that's something that Western Power is currently doing now, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and this has been, you know, it's a, been a huge project, but um, one that's been really important for government relations is that we need a change to legislation and regulations to say that a standalone power system um, is a network asset. So we basically have to rewrite um, the rule book about what a network provider is to be able to deliver this service. Um, so we've just finished a couple of weeks ago the first round um, of delivery and we hope to deliver 
another round of um, standalone power systems to regional customers next year as well. Yeah, okay, because um, that's what I was thinking as you were describing it. Is that something that a utility company does? Does that fall under what uh, you would expect from a utility company or a network provider? Yeah, interesting that you had to um, change a lot of the legislation and the rules around that. Yeah, exactly. And I think I think that there's other utilities thinking similarly um, about how you can provide water services, for example, differently. So um, traditionally, it might have all been... Um, underground and uh you know dams and now you think about desalination or you think about um we know that water corp is looking at uh where you might have really saline groundwater um but if you can combine that saline groundwater with a standalone power system provide um an on-site desalination plant which gives an opportunity for clean water in a regional area. So I think utilities are all starting to think differently about the way they provide their services um, and how technology can be used. And I think the really good thing about it, and probably I think it's a little bit of the the fact of kind of Uber coming in um, and a lot of those disruptive models is that people will think outside the box and they'll think of the solutions first and then work out the regulations and the legislation after that. And I think for a long time it was kind of the other way around. It was like, what's what's the environment we work in and we don't work outside that environment? But everything's being disrupted now um, and it's providing huge opportunities in the utility space. Yeah, fascinating. You're obviously very passionate about climate change and renewable energy policy. So what role do you see utilities playing in climate change? Climate change is real and climate change is happening. Um, and I think utilities... All utilities are infrastructure-based. And so the big challenge will be understanding the potential impacts of climate change. And potential is a really important word because we know at the moment that dependent on how the global community responds to the climate change mitigation, so the reduction of greenhouse gas emissions, that will determine how much climate change we then experience. Um, So as a utility that builds 50-year assets, And not all utilities do. Some build 30-year assets or 10-year assets. Um, But as a utility that builds 50-year assets, trying to plan for such an uncertain future is really challenging and it's exciting. Um, And it also then gives us the impetus to think differently about what we do as a business. So I think utilities, is it's not just about thinking about that mitigation and, and carbon reduction opportunities side of things. It's also just accepting that climate change is now a fact, Um, but the uncertainty around it heading into the future is where that challenge really lies for us as well. We'll return to the conversation in just a moment, but if you're enjoying this podcast, there's a few simple things you can do to show your support. Subscribe so you never miss an episode. Like this show or leave a comment letting me know your thoughts. And if you have any suggestions for topics or guests you'd like to hear from, please get in touch. My contact details are in the show notes. Thanks. And now back to the conversation. A question I always ask my guests is, why utilities? What prompted you to go down this path? Was there a specific moment or an experience that inspired you to pursue a career in utilities? Yeah, there was actually. So I, um, before starting at Western Power, I was doing my PhD at the University of Western Australia. Um, and I was looking at perceptions of residential solar energy from the perspective 
the community, industry, government. Um, and one of the challenges that I was looking at was uh, how can you make financial incentives more effective? You know, what is it about them that promotes people to install systems? Do they need to be as generous as they are? And where might you see challenges in continued adoption in the future? Um, and my research found that, you know, unsurprisingly, financial incentives are, are really successful in promoting adoption. Um, but there are challenges in terms of how the system itself responds to those uh, increases in solar penetration. Um, and WA is a great example. We've now got kind of about one in three households have rooftop solar PV systems. Um, and at the time I was doing my research, I was finding that one of the main barriers that people were experiencing in increasing their PV penetration was with the network. So um, networks have to be able to balance at all times um, energy flows across the network. And that means that PV is a new uh, and uncertain force to be reckoned with. Some utilities take a conservative approach where they want to slow down the amount of PV. Um, but Western Power was looking at all kinds of opportunities that allow PV penetration to increase. So, um, yeah, I was really interested in either working with Western Power or Horizon Power, which is um, the state's regional energy provider, and understand more about how networks can facilitate greater penetrations of renewable energy. Fantastic. So uh, you mentioned um, that you did a PhD. So your career obviously spans both academia and industry. So could you describe a little bit about um, the path you've taken to get to where you are today? Yeah, so I, I finished my undergraduate um, in a Bachelor of Environmental Sciences. Um, and I really just wanted to get a graduate position doing something environmental. So um, I went out for all kinds of job ads. Um, and in the end, I was really lucky to get a position with the State Government Sustainable Energy Development Office in Western Australia. Um, having said that, about two weeks after I started, um, the Sustainable Energy Devel Development Office was wound up um, and I ended up working for Office of Energy. Um, it didn't actually, uh, it was actually, if anything, it was a great opportunity because I got to work on a huge variety of different energy policies while I was there. Um, and it was a really good kind of grounding for me to understand more about the energy system and the energy market and um, gas versus electricity, etc. Um, but in doing that, I was also watching what was happening in the feed-in tariff space. So um, one of the, the main incentives that was driving people to use the PV. Um, and there were a lot of discussions from a policy point of view of kind of how it was being delivered and, and what we could have done differently if we'd had our time again, as you do with any kind of policy. Um, but it was such um, a huge investment on behalf of government, um, but also a huge opportunity in terms of um, yeah, renewable energy penetration. I decided it was something that I was really interested in, in knowing more about, and I'd always kind of imagined that I would do um, a PhD and, and try out research myself. Um, and so that's what then led me to, to go and do a PhD um, at UWA uh, in the same field that I was kind of working on. And that was great because I got to stay involved with uh, my friends in the energy sector. Um, and then once I finished, I was kind of keen to get back and work with a team and, um, yeah, explore problems in practice rather than uh, from a kind of a theoretical academic basis. Okay, great. I'd like to switch tracks a little bit now and um, think a little bit more about working in what many would perceive to be a, a very male-dominated environment and what that's been like for you. I think I've been really lucky. Uh, I, well, I'd like to think actually that 
I haven't been lucky in it actually. The the industry is changing for the better. Um, I came into the public sector at a time when it was also relatively male-dominated um, and I didn't find it a challenge. Um, I did find that there was some of that um, bias that existed. I would go into meetings and have people assume that I was there to kind of hand out water glasses and you know, take mm. notes. Um, but I do think that once you kind of establish your role, um, people were very quick to shift their thinking. Um, and so I think that the big lesson for me was really just to kind of um, be, be a bit forgiving about other people and the way they might be approaching and interacting um, and give them the benefit of the doubt um, and look for an opportunity for, for them to kind of connect with you on what you might be doing on a, on a professional basis. Um, and that kind of way of thinking about things I think has served me very well and I, I don't think I've ever um, had any challenges uh, in being a woman in the sector. Um, I, I do know that uh, I'm involved in something called the Australian Institute of Energy, which is about promoting issues for discussion and debate um, in the energy policy space. Um, and while I've been involved with the Australian Institute of Energy, we have started up a Women in Energy in Western Australia to kind of promote opportunities for women. And a lot of that has been about um, setting up events that allow women to learn more about how they can promote their careers. Uh, but I think in terms of the other events where it's kind of networking, the great thing has been seeing men come to women in networking mm-hmm. um, as a way to kind of support women in the industry and, and show that they care and that they think it's important. Um, and I'm really lucky to work at Western Power. In December last year, uh, the WA Energy Awards awarded Western Power the Advancing Women in, in Energy Award. Um, for the work that they're doing in trying to to build a workforce that better reflects the diversity of the WA community. Um, so we've got, you know, 50% female representation on the board and 45% in senior leadership roles. Um, but to your point in terms of I think you're, you're right that you can see the best of the best uh, in terms of women rising up the ranks, but that doesn't necessarily reflect every meeting room that you might be mm-hmm. in. Um, so it's good to see that Western Power is also pushing for gender parity in the electrical apprenticeships, uh, so in the trades themselves. Um, and last year they had 46%, nearly nearly 50% wow. of the electrical apprentices were female. Fantastic. And yeah, so yeah. would you have any other advice for women who are looking to make a career in utilities? I really think just having having a go um, and, and not being um, put out if you do go into a room and feel that you are um, the only woman in the room. Um, and that somehow that means something. Um, I think the important point to remember is, yeah, that just everyone in the room is there to contribute something um, and you deserve to be around the table as much as anyone else. Um, And if you give people the chance, most people will listen. Uh, So I think, yeah, just have a go uh, and and go into it kind of embracing the opportunity. Um, I think some of my biggest advocates in the industry have been men um, and some of them have been men who were could have been perceived to be a bit old-fashioned in the way they approached women uh, and potentially even the role that they thought that women should play, but that didn't hold them back from identifying someone as having potential um, and being able to shape a business or shape an opportunity. Uh, and I think that that's, again, what you should be looking at is, is how you, you might be able to use a relationship or build a relationship that's based on 
um, what you can contribute and you'll gain respect from that. Yeah, fantastic. And so on that note, who has helped you to get to where you are? Do you, have you had mentors, role models or, or champions as you as you sort of mentioned in your last answer? I definitely have. I think um, I I think every day I have people who support me um, and uh, some people have, have played a, a larger role. Um, doing a PhD, your, your supervisor is very important um, and I was lucky to have someone who was supportive more than anything else. He was just always going to be there and, and be in my corner um, and doing a PhD is a, is a very lonely experience and it can be really tough kind of mentally um, and so he's he's been hugely supportive kind of right the way through from my my honours research to now. So um, definitely my supervisor. Um, my team as well. So um, I work under an executive who has the back of his team um, completely um, and is always willing to, to put people forward for um, recognition. Um, I also, I'm, I'm currently a manager of government relations and I took over the role from someone else who was moving into another part of the business. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he was, um, he, we had this conversation before I entered the role and I kind of said, you know, um, oh, it must be strange for you to see me take your position um, now that you're, you're moving out of the team. And he said, you know, the best thing you can hope for as a manager is that someone gets to the point, someone who works under you gets to the point where they're good enough to take your role. Mm. Um, and I think that that's that's the kind of um, that's the kind of attitude that I think a, a lot of the people that I work with have, and I think it's a an attitude um, that leads to a really collaborative work experience um, and one where everyone's thinking about how the team can benefit rather than how individuals can benefit. Um, and I think I under the Australian Institute of Energy, there's also uh, some other people there who. Um, are just so dedicated to uh, volunteer organisation and giving people the opportunity to um, build their professional development and meet people and and discuss ideas. So maybe not mentors but but peers who've made a huge difference because they want to to share ideas um, and share passion with you um, and share similar experiences. Um, And even it won't always tell you what to do but in some cases it'll help by just making you realize that you're not alone Mm. and so what would you describe as your proudest achievement immediately you kind of go to to the big achievements in terms of getting good positions and being awarded a phd but that they were kind of long slogs and you kind of knew that you were going to get there in the end you know eventually you might get a promotion or eventually after five years you're going to get awarded a PhD. So they, they don't feel like giant achievements. It feels like the end of a, of a journey more than anything else. Mm. But I think it's the, the little things that you experience every day and um, getting to, to work with my team. Um, so I think, you know, getting into the manager role was fantastic and I was, I was so pleased to be given the opportunity. But um, even more important to me was the fact that my team then sent me a bunch of flowers to say you know um you know we're so happy for your boss lady um <laughs> sorry I think, you know that the fact that I had the support of my team meant more than getting the position itself um, yeah and I think that that that's the way that it should be uh that it's it's the little achievements every day 
Um, and we've got so much opportunity to achieve with all of the challenges around us. Um, and I work with such an amazing team. Everyone's in it together um, and being able to achieve regulation change and legislation change um, is so rewarding for the team as a whole. I love that. I love that you focused on the achievements that you've done every day rather than, as you said, going straight to the big things that I, I thought you might mention. So, yeah, I, I really love that. Um, and lastly, is there anything else you would like to share with the listeners or add to what you've already talked about today? I do think that the the most important thing you can do, do is just say yes and take advantage of opportunities. Um, it's always served me very well. I've never had a career goal or a career plan or anything. Um, I've just constantly had conversations with people. I've talked about the things that I'm passionate about. Um, I've built relationships. I have a lot of coffee dates um, and I would <laughs> I would encourage other people to, to just get out there and, and meet people um, and that's where the opportunities lie. Um, so if you're thinking about going for a job in the utility sector or anywhere else, Pick up the phone and try to contact the person who's in the role or the person who's hiring. Uh, find out more about what it is because it'll help you understand whether your passion might lie there and it'll also help put you forward as someone who might be ideal for the role. So if you're looking for opportunities, um, seek them out yourself. Make them happen. Um, I think that the best you can do for yourself is just constantly be going out and talking to people and finding out what's out there. Great advice. Really great advice. Thank you so much for your time, Genevieve. Really appreciate it. Thank you. It was great. Well, that wraps up this episode of the Women in Utilities podcast. If you haven't subscribed yet, please take a moment to do so or leave me a comment letting me know your thoughts. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.